0: state that Trump won, you ran pretty far to the left in the primary race. In order to be governor, you need to win voters in the middle. How are you going to do that?
1: Yeah, Dana, let me first say how um, extremely proud I was yesterday watching uh, Senator McCain's funeral. Uh, The comments from his daughter, uh, Megan, from the president, uh, all the former presidents, really was a display of really who we are as a country. Uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Donald Trump, Uh, are at the far other extremes of what we want, not only as a country, but as a state. And I'll tell you, um, I don't believe that uh, any of the issues that I stood on in the primary... Uh, are in any way disqualifying in this general election. Uh, we're going to win this race because the people of my state are interested in, in having an education system that their mm-hmm. kids can get a good quality education. And right now we rank 40th out of 50th in quality. Uh, the people in my state want access to uh, good and affordable and accessible health care. They want to see teachers pay what they're worth.
0: And I want to get to a lot of those issues and dig deeper on them in just a moment. Before, though, I, I want I have to get this out of the way. I don't want to give undue attention to this, but this week, a white supremacist robocall came out in your state of Florida against your campaign. You, of course, are the first black nominee for governor in the state of Florida. How are you going to fend off against attacks of what really are not just racially uh, tinged, racist things like we're seeing there now?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, I do find it deeply regrettable. I mean, on the day right after Uh, i secured the democratic nomination we had to deal with some of the dog whistles directly from my opponent and i and i i honestly want to sincerely say this dana Uh, we can have a uh, a challenge between ideas and around what we think uh uh, the people of of the state of florida deserve Uh, what i don't want this race to turn into is a race of name calling Um, i want to make sure that we don't racialize Uh, And frankly, weaponize race as a part of this process, which is why I've called on my opponent to really work to rise above some of these things. Um, uh, uh, People are taking their cues from him, from his campaign and from Donald Trump. And we should. And we saw in Charlottesville that that can lead to real, uh, frankly, dangerous outcomes.
0: And I also want to make clear that your opponent, Ron DeSantis, has has condemned this robocall, which, again, we're not playing. It is beyond offensive. Um, I want to talk about what uh, the president mentioned also in that tweet, which is the crime rate in your city. Mr. Mayor, it is true that your county has the highest crime rate in the entire state of Florida. The number of murders there hit a new high just last year. How do you explain to Florida voters why they should trust you with their state when those crime rates are so high?
1: Well, I'm the mayor of the city of Tallahassee, mm-hmm. not the county of Leon and in the city of Tallahassee we actually are experiencing a five-year low in uh, our crime rate. In fact, we're on par to uh, see historic lows uh, in our crime rate this year if we keep on the pattern that we're currently on. And, Dana, we didn't do that by arresting more people and throwing away to the key, but by leaning into smart justice, restorative justice, second chances, because the best way to control a crime rate, uh, frankly, is to reduce the number of people who re-offend. Uh, we're very, very proud of, I think, the very progressive way in which we've addressed uh, crime in my city, and it's evident by the numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely proud of where we are, and frankly, I'd like to see those kinds of strategies scaled up all around the state of Florida. Let's
0: move on to health care. You mentioned that you support Medicare for all. Uh, A study earlier this summer from George Mason University estimates that Medicare for all, that plan, would cost the government thirty three trillion with a T dollars over the next decade, which obviously would require a significant tax increase. Florida has has a reputation, as you know, for being a tax-averse state. Are you ready to tell the people of Florida that they need to pay a lot more in taxes to fund your health care plan?
1: Well, let me first say there was also a report, Dana, that showed that uh, should we move to cover more people through a Medicare for all system, we could actually save the system trillions uh, over an extended period of time. You could, but in the Um, short term, in order to do
0: that, you need to raise taxes. Fair.
1: So what I, what I would say is, first of all, and I want to be clear about this, the state of Florida could not take this road by itself. Uh, we would need to do it as part of a federation of other states coming together. Think of uh, Florida, New York, California. But, and sir, are a few you, in of the order to do that, states. taxes
0: would have to be raised. Is that, is that yeah. fair? Do you agree with that?
1: I, 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 I don't buy that. So let me how just do you say, do for that? Instance, how do you
0: find that kind of money for the government without raising taxes?
1: So first, I'd say one, Florida could not do it by itself. But secondly, we have the opportunity to expand uh, Medicaid for over 700,000 of the most medically needy people here in the state of Florida. My governor and legislature refused to do that. Do you know it costs us about $6 billion in money that should have come from the federal government to the state of Florida that we never received. And so I'm simply saying, and this is, this I want to be clear, uh, Dana, this is very personal to me. I remember growing up as a kid having to wait for the mobile uh, dental clinic to come through the neighborhood and order to have my teeth cleaned.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, the I biggest know you have experiences people, and, uh, and, sure. and you, you're coming from a, a, a real place, uh, a personal place in, in supporting this. But as a government official, you have to make it work and you have to make the Absolutely. numbers work. And so I, I still don't understand how you would do it without raising taxes.
1: So the first step we would take is expand Medicaid and pull down about six billion dollars a year from the federal government. That's important. Uh, secondly, uh, as governor of the state of Florida, I would work to bring uh, a number of the largest states into a conversation around how it is together. We might be able to negotiate prices and access to health care to cover more people uh, and ensure that even those who, uh, of us who are insured, who are right now uh, paying premium increases year over year over year, all because Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump have worked uh, so overtime to let me just uh, get make it access this to health care less affordable. Will you, yeah. will
0: you say that you will not support raising taxes to make your health care plan work?
1: I will absolutely not raise taxes on everyday working Floridians to uh, uh, give access to additional What about wealthier people? people? So what I said, uh, and I ran on this, by the way, is that we will increase taxes for, the, for corporations in our state, who right now, uh, just so you're aware, only 3% of companies in the state of Florida pay the corporate tax rate, 3%. And that 3% under the Donald Trump tax scam uh, got a windfall of $6.3 billion overnight due to the tax reform that took place in Washington, D.C. We're not asking for all of it. We simply said we believe that we ought to bring a billion of that money back into the state's government because being a cheap-date state has not worked for the well, state of Florida. One more, uh, And unfortunately, uh, we've got to do that if we're going to be a leading state. One more,
0: one more issue. We've spent a lot of time, understandably, on health care uh, and immigration. You have joined growing calls for replacing ICE, the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency. Uh, the state of California actually passed a, passed a plan last year to become a so called sanctuary state, which limits state cooperation uh, with federal immigration officials. Would you support that plan for the state of Florida?
1: No, what I would support is um, the policies of this current administration have been uh, wholly misguided and, in my opinion, are quite un-American. Not one of us wants to undermine the work of ICE to do uh, the important work of making sure that we end sex trafficking and human trafficking, making sure that we are uh, precluding drugs and other uh, sort of uh, insidious entrances into uh, our state. Unfortunately, this border crisis that the president created is all of his own making. Uh, we have not had the level of border crossing into this country since 2010. Uh, this is a straw man argument meant to speak to his base. It doesn't keep any of us safer. And, and he's turned this uh, the work of this important agency into a deportation and family separation force. And I simply believe that it's un-American. It also makes all of us less safe.
0: Before I let you go, I have to ask you about something that's going on back home in your city. There's an ongoing corruption probe into development deals in your city of Tallahassee since you've been mayor. I understand you're cooperating in that investigation. You want want to see justice done, but this investigation has already breached your inner circle. Subpoena went out to your longtime friend, former aide. You're the mayor. Does the buck stop with you on this?
1: Yeah. So first of all, not a former aide uh, of mine, but I will say this much. Um, I nor my government is under He was under a campaign FBI aide, investigation. correct?
0: Didn't he run one uh, of your A volunteer. Campaigns?
1: Okay. Vol- volunteer, not, 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 not an aide. But the, the point being, though, uh, Dana, is uh, nobody wants more for uh, any activity that is illegal or corrupt that uh, has occurred. Uh, we want to make sure that any individual that participated in that is held fully accountable. The good news is is that it doesn't involve my government or myself. We have all been fully cooperating. And the difference between how we've addressed this and how Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump have addressed the, addressed the FBI is that we've welcomed them and have tried to aid in their work. Uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis have tried to undermine and undercut the FBI at every single turn. The president even going so far as to suggest a deep state uh, as a way to undermine that work. Uh, That is an absence of leadership. Uh, And I think that what we've done here has frankly been a model of how you deal with these kinds of things as a way to root out any bad players, any bad activity. uh, And nobody wants to bring that to to conclusion uh, quicker uh, uh, than I do.
0: Final question. Bernie Sanders was one of your big supporters, particularly towards the end of your primary race there. You endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016. Would you support Bernie Sanders for president in 2020?
1: Oh, Dan, I'm trying to get elected governor. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to save this state. But I will tell you, I'm deeply appreciative of the support of, of Senator Sanders. And you're right. I did support uh, Secretary Clinton. I spoke to her earlier uh, last week. Um, uh, she and the president, uh, President Clinton. Um, uh, I value their friendships. And I think what is important is that what we showed is that we've got the ability to bring to be- together all the wings of the Democratic Party. Thank and quite you. frankly, in order for us to win, we've got to bring the entirety of our party together.
0: We'll get back to you the day after the election on that question. Then. Yes. Thank you so much for joining Indeed. me. This morning. Thanks so
1: much, Dennis. I appreciate Take care. it.
0: And tough poll numbers for President Trump. But that's not stopping some Republican candidates for asking for his support. And a final farewell.
2: What better way to get a last laugh than to make George and I say nice things about him to a national audience?
0: We'll talk to two of John McCain's closest friends and allies, Lindsey Graham and Joe Lieberman.
3: We gather here to mourn the passing of American greatness, the real thing. Not cheap rhetoric from men who will never come near the sacrifice he gave so willingly. The America of John McCain has no need to be made great again because America was always great.
0: That was Senator John McCain's daughter, Megan, going after President Trump as she's also celebrated in a very intense and emotional way the life of her father. Let's discuss. SE, you are very good friends with Megan McCain. Um, have you spoken to her? What, what is your sense of how she felt that came across.
3: I think she was relieved to get through it and to get all of that out. This is not something that's just important to Megan in her dad's passing, but as a conservative and the way she was brought up as a conservative, she is deeply troubled by the division in this country and the division within our own party. And so that was, I think, very cathartic for her to get that off her chest and also do it while paying tribute to her dad, a man, of course, that she was so incredibly close with. But she's exhausted. She is exhausted. I can't even
0: imagine. I can't even imagine. Governor Jan Brewer, you've served with John McCain for many, many years in your home state of Arizona. Um, What were your thoughts on the memorial service and the week? The
4: the whole complete week uh, has just been amazing. Uh, The tributes that have been given to him and well-deserved just bring back such a flood of memories. He truly was a great man. John and I started our careers together. He ran uh, for the United States uh, Congress, and I ran for the legislature. He moved to the Senate, I moved to the Senate. And from then on, I mean, our careers just
0: paralleled. You're also a supporter of of President Trump. How is he going to react to that? I say that again how is he going to react to that to the to the to the comments that we heard from megan mccain i have no
4: idea i understood that he um tweeted out again this morning, uh, you know, I wish that we could see some calmness um, uh, coming out of this. I, I was just broken hearted yesterday listening to Megan, and again, uh, her remarks were very, very, very touching. And she was so emotionally distraught that uh, at a time like this, I think we all should be sensitive. But she was very relieved very after she gave that. It was like she got it off of her chest uh, the first day that we had I- moral
5: I think that yesterday birthed a new star. And I know that we don't go to funerals or have these moments in our country and expect to see a new star come out of this. But Meghan McCain, yesterday, I I can't even imagine having the courage or strength to do what she did. And then the nostalgia that we all had of a Republican Party that once was. I think that, you know, when we we saw George W. Bush and you heard his words or Barack Obama and they're there remembering a man like John McCain, you understand that this Republican Party isn't what it once was. And so my question to people like Lindsey Graham, who comes on later to this morning, is how do you uh, admire and hold in reverence a man like John McCain, but then kowtow to someone like Donald Trump? I think John McCain deserves better than that.
0: You're a sitting elected official, Congressman Ryan. Um, do you think genuinely you are gonna be able to go back after Labor Day to Congress and really heed the message that all of these McCain memorial services was very clear about work together
6: uh, I'm cautiously optimistic but you know the momentum is is going so much in the other direction that I think it it could be tough but I think what Bakari just said is interesting when you actually have democrats rooting on certain republicans like you know come on help us help us fix this problem that we have and really the the most touching part was when she talked about him as a dad. Yeah. I mean, that was what, she, you know, if you weren't tearing up or crying at that point, I don't I don't know if you're human. I mean, that to me, that cut through all of the politics.
0: Well, yes, I, I agree with that. Um, but the message was about, you know, kind of the, the current state of politics as well. And I want to um, look at a poll that just came out from The Washington Post. President Trump's disapproval is at 60 percent, his approval at 36 percent. Governor Brewer, why do you think this has gone the president has is in worse shape even with fellow Republicans now? And should Republicans be worried?
4: You know, there's such a state of uh uh, people not getting along. There is just so much negativity. I think it just feeds on itself. It's it's just unfortunate for our country. We need to. We do. And those of us that have worked in deliberative bodies, we know that, that that's how you get things done. You have to work with one another. And um, his uh, his uh, the the president, I think, believes in his heart that he's doing the right thing. And they hear his message uh-huh. on so many things. But it's the way that it's being conducted that is so heartbreaking.
0: And I want to, Essie, and all of you, uh, put up a map because as as much as President Trump is um, is hurting in the in the polls with independents and doing worse with Republicans, the, the the states that you see in blue there, those are all states that President Trump is going to go to. I'm told this month to campaign for Republicans. They want him there, Essie.
3: Yeah, uh, there's no question that uh, when it comes to the House, the Senate uh, gubernatorial races and then in 2020 a national race, there's there's four different races going on and President Trump is going and the Republican Party is going to have to decide when and where President Trump is useful. But let's make no mistake, the tribalism in this country and the tribalism in the two parties and even within my own party, pitting Republicans against Republicans. Um, that is rewarded more than comedy, more than uh, coming together and reaching compromises. Compromises became, became a dirty word. And, and, and that makes John McCain, frankly, roll over in his grave. Um, the conservative movement right now, while conservative values are strong, conservative movement is in a coma. It is not dead, but it is on life support. Mm. And I think conservatives really need to take a good hard look at where we want these traditions, these principles to go and who are the best people to carry them there. The most, it's not the man in the White The House.
5: most interesting thing about that map is that not do they want Donald Trump there, but they actually need Donald Trump in places yeah. like Mississippi and Tennessee. I mean, there are places that are gonna be in play. Mike Espy, for example, is running a hell of a race in Mississippi. Um, and then you go to Florida, you just had Andrew Gillum who is not, not the future of the Democratic Party, he's the now of the Democratic Party. And what most people understand is that this race in Florida, that is that is Donald Trump's litmus test, because if we're able to take back the White House, excuse me, the governor's mansion in Florida, there's a good chance that you can take back the White House in 2020. So Andrew Gillum is that person. And you you look at Tennessee. So I'm saying that Democrats have an opportunity. And, And Tim probably will laugh when I say this, but. We are proverbial bedwetters, and so we have to make sure that we take advantage of this opportunity that we have in front of us, because uh, Donald Trump is giving us victories, electoral victories, you know, on a platter.
6: Yeah, I think there's some political post-traumatic stress within the Democratic Party after the last election, mm. but I, I, I think it, Trump is going to these states because midterm elections are base elections for the most part, and he still maintains a good deal of popularity within his base, but we're where the rubber's gonna meet the road is, Democrats are very energized. Can we keep our energy there, get our voters out, and then the 57% of the independent voters Mm -hmm. who disapprove of Donald Trump Can we pull them to our side in these midterm elections? I think those independent voters are more motivated today than they would normally be in a midterm election. I
3: I think we need to remember people like maybe Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez probably cannot, and that's the existential crisis your party's facing. Well, it's not a crisis
5: because I think that the... See, this this is where I want my voice to be louder than others is because we are the party of Tim Ryan. We are the party of Joe Manchin. We are also the party of Elizabeth Warren. And Bernie Sanders, like our tent is extremely big, but the message of, uh, of of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, it may not resonate. In fact, it won't resonate loudly in South Carolina. We need a different we, type. We of have imagery. to
0: take. We have to take a quick break. But because you brought w- that I up, I was
5: rolling right there Sunday I'm, morning.
0: I uh, I, w- I need to ask you. Yes. Time for new leadership. If Democrats take back the House, will you run for Speaker? He loves this question. I loves this
3: question. Uh, I want
6: to. I want to I listen to the. I think, I think we do need new leadership.
0: Are you the guy to do it?
6: I'm not sure. I'm not closing the door on it, but I think. It, I think it's time for us to move in another direction. I thought that 18 months ago. I think that today, if we're going to reach out to those voters, uh-huh. to those independent voters. I think we do need some new people going out to, to make the case. And look, What
0: do you right? want to be, speaker or, or candidate for president? I want, to, I want
6: to work for Bacardi one day. That's fine. Well, you're, you're really good I'm at aiming this. You're right. I'm <laughs> aiming high. I'm aiming high.
0: All right, everybody, thank you so much. And the bipartisan trio known as the Three Amigos are now missing their central figure. Senator Lindsey Graham and former Senator Joe Lieberman will be right here next.
2: It is going to be a lonely journey for me for a while. I'm going to need your help.
0: Joe Lieberman, Lindsey Graham, John McCain, the famous three amigos of the U.S. Senate, friends to the end of McCain's celebrated life. There they are right there together at McCain's beloved home near Sedona, Arizona. And I am honored to have both of them with me today to talk about the life of John McCain, former Senator Joe Lieberman of Connecticut and current Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Senator Lieberman, I want to start with you because we heard from you yesterday so eloquently at the funeral. Um, That was the first time that we heard you speak about Senator McCain since he passed. You've chosen to stay private uh, uh, until yesterday. What has this week been like for you?
7: Well, you know, it, uh, it, it actually reminded me of the uh, death of people close to me, my parents. So in both those cases, my mom and dad and John, you could see their death coming. Uh, but when it comes, it's it's a, it hurts. Uh, and um, so you plunge yourself into sort of membra- remembrances and the rest, uh, which is, which was actually therapeutic. And uh, looking back, and I tell you what comforted me most, John's own words. I mean, last summer after the surgery, I saw him out in uh, Arizona at his place <clears throat> in the country, and he said to me, and you know, he said this publicly, but I want to repeat it. Uh, of course, I'd like to live as long as I can, but uh, nobody can live forever. If this is my time, I look back, and um, I I say uh, I've had a great life. And he said something to me that actually is an adjective one doesn't use much toward John McCain. I think was adorable. He says to me... Yeah, no, they do He one. says to me, Joey, you and Lindsay and I traveled to places that billionaires can't go to. <laughs> so, of course, by the nature of our relationship, I see you're right. And some of them, nobody, including billionaires, would want to yeah, go to. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, it's just uh, so that 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 his own attitude, the way he faced death <clears throat> with characteristic fearlessness um, and uh, perspective uh, really comforted me, but, but, but you know, we're going to miss him. He, he's irreplaceable.
0: And Senator Graham, I'm going to ask you about a private moment that you had on sure. the Senate floor on Friday. They cleared the chamber. Mm-hmm. You went to Senator McCain's desk with Cindy McCain, his widow. What was that moment like?
2: It was very touching. This is uh, the public, this is where he spent the best years of his life uh, in the service to his country. We all know about Vietnam, but John loved the Senate. He was a man of the Senate. He loved the institution. When you write the history of the Senate, he's gonna be in the first chapter. (laughs) It meant a lot to Cindy to sit in his desk. She uh, She sat down? Yes, I said, you will sit here. You don't get these seats by yourself. So to all the Team McCain people, his staff, his friends, his family, John couldn't have been this successful without them. And she deserved to sit in that desk. And you had Mark Salter and Rick uh, Davis were there. And I said, listen, and the reason he came back so many times uh, doing all the things that John did is because he had a hell of a political team around him. And his number one uh, cheerleader politically was Cindy McCain. People don't appreciate how much support Cindy gave him in, in health politically, but in sickness. For the last year, she was totally devoted to this man.
0: And Megan McCain posted a photo this weekend <laughs> yeah. of you. I'm sure you've both seen it. And if you can put it up, she called you, quote, my uncles forever, uh-huh. uh, because certainly that is how, how she feels about you. I want you, again with our viewers, to listen to how Megan McCain remembered her father yesterday at the National Cathedral.
3: We gather here to mourn the passing of American greatness. The real thing, not cheap rhetoric from men who will never come near the sacrifice he gave so willingly, nor the opportunistic appropriation of those who live lives of comfort and privilege while he suffered and served. The America of John McCain has no need to be made great again because America was always great.
0: I was in the, the cathedral yesterday. There was a bit of shock uh, <laughs> that she went there, it, like she did so directly. He wasn't invited, Donald Trump, instead sure. he went golfing. What's your reaction, each of you, to that clip? And to, to the, what was it at the time, to those words?
2: Well, number one, she's a beautiful, talented uh, young lady. She is her father's daughter. If you say something bad about her dad, you will know it. <laughs> Whether you're the janitor or the president of the United States, she is grieving for the father she adored. I think most Americans understand that, and I am just so proud of the young lady she has become. So I'm totally okay with
7: everything. Here, here. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that, as she said, her, a picture of her uncles, because I feel like her uncle and my wife. <laughs> That's what feels like her aunt. She's in New York. We get to see her some. We, we love her, really. Yes. Yesterday, uh, I was a very proud uncle, because to say the obvious, Megan, is a daughter who had a very special close relationship with her father, John McCain. So he's gone, he's died, she's grieving, and yet by by the nature of his life, she's called on to make a very public, global uh, uh, statement, appearance, very hard. But she did it, and she did it magnificently, and she did it the way her dad would want her to do it. and you know what? She didn't. She she was direct with the way John mm-hmm. uh, was. And, you know, sometimes those around you are even more direct than you would be in a given situation. That's a very good point. So God bless her.
0: Um, I was at the funerals I mentioned yesterday. When I saw Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, I was kind of surprised. I didn't know that they were on the invite list. It turns out, Senator Graham, you were behind that.
2: No. You were not Uh, behind Nobody was at that funeral, did not get invited by the family.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Earlier in the week, I met with Ivanka about a trip we're planning in Africa. Uh, Ivanka said some very nice things about Senator McCain after his passing. Mm -hmm. It was not unnoticed by the family. If you wanted to invite everybody that loved John McCain, you could have filled up Yankee Stadium. (laughs) Uh, I'm hoping that Cindy, who has done terrific work for human trafficking of women, and all things uh, related to that issue can work with Ivanka and others because that's her life's work, and uh, maybe uh, these two can, can work together uh, to help women who are in desperate straits. I think both of them would like to do that, and, and I'd like to help to the extent I could.
0: Were you happy that they were, that they were there?
7: I was. They happened to be sitting right behind. Uh, I her, saw
0: you speaking with her, them. Her
7: last yeah. we talked to them, they were, they were uh, very positive about John McCain, and you know, I thanked them as John's friend that they had come. Absolutely. I thought it meant a lot, um, so, and, they, and they, they, at the end, I spoke to them, too, and they, there were no complaints. Mm-hmm. They felt that the, the whole service was a great tribute to him and elevating, and uh, hopefully uh, everybody is elevated by what happened there in the cathedral yesterday, by the whole week, and we'll take some of this forward with us, make the country better.
0: Senators, stay with me. We've got to take a quick break. We have a lot more to discuss. And we're back with Senators Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina and former Senator Joe Lieberman. Thank you both again for doing this. This is very special. Thank Senator you. Lieberman, I want to um, ask you about something that you said yesterday at the memorial of the National Cathedral. You talked about the fact that John McCain had wanted you to be his running mate in 2008. The person he did cho- choose, Sarah Palin, was was not invited. What do you make of that?
7: You know, I'm just respectful of every decision uh, that was made. I, 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 don't, I don't think anything about it. I, I, um, I'm, I told that story <clears throat> uh, because it says a lot about John. Sure. That he was actually at a point, I mean, to prove his bona fides, <laughs> As somebody who was really believed in bipartisanship and the particular need for bipartisanship now in our government, that he even uh, thought about me seriously, which, as I said yesterday, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think it was possible. But I did have an advocate inside <laughs> the McCain operation. You also, had them all. Yeah, I had them all, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so, we, you know, we go forward. And-
0: um, I want to ask a couple of newsy questions. Uh, Senator Graham, in an interview this week with Bloomberg, President Trump said that he views the Mueller investigation as a, quote, illegal investigation. Do you think it's illegal? No. And are, does that make you worry that he's going to do something? that? No,
2: listen, I lived through the Clinton era where Ken Starr but, was. But a-
0: Bill Clinton never called it illegal.
2: Well, it, oh my God, everybody around him said they were on them. A- They called him everything you could call him. This is the way the system works. No, Mueller will be allowed to do his job. So here's what I tell the public. I'm on Judiciary Committee. I might even be chairman next year. Uh, I'm going to look long and hard about the FBI abuse of the FISA warrant, about how the Department of Justice, the FBI, I think, just really were in the tank for Clinton and are out to get Trump early on. I don't say that about Mueller. Mueller is the only guy in the country that I think can exonerate the president. I keep telling him that. But we're going to allow Mueller to do his job. And uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll know what he finds.
0: Senator Lieberman, um, on a different subject, President Trump unleashed attacks on Canada and other allies over the last few weeks. He said this in a quote, uh, in a tweet, rather, quote, We shouldn't have to buy our friends with bad trade deals and free military uh, protection. He's praised adversaries like North Korea, like Russia. You were the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. Would you say that the president of the United States is still the leader of the free world?
7: Yeah, he is the leader of the free world, but there are, because of the strength of America. I mean, people depend on us. That's what I tried to say yesterday about John- Because of
0: America, not necessarily because of this president. Well, I
7: think the president, because some of the things he said, (laughs) has made some people anxious. Now, I must say, on the other hand, uh if you go to the middle east today the arab world and israel feel that they have a president they can trust and they got worried that the previous administration was too focused on uh, making a deal with iran Mm -hmm. in asia countries like japan and south korea feel pretty good about the president but i i do worry about comments like the ones you described toward canada and uh, mexico for instance it's not that our relationships are Perfect, But our strength really in the world is we, we don't want to do it all alone And we need good allies and Canada and Mexico are not only good allies. They're good uh, sources of economic investment and, and trade with our country that creates Millions of jobs here. So I just always hope that the president um, stops before uh, his words.
0: Uh, if only you knew somebody I, who spoke to the president yeah, frequently. Yeah, could, I,
7: I keep trying to tell him a that. name. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> L.O.G. <Yeah. laughs> uh, well,
2: well, I think we'll get a NAFTA deal. I think Canada will be in it. He's pushing hard and he should. Uh, you know, when it comes to lumber, we've always had a problem with Canada, but they're our allies. They're not our enemies.
0: Uh, I want to just ask you uh, before we run out of time about very big um, hearings before your committee and judiciary uh, this coming week. Brett Kavanaugh, right. his nomination to be a uh, Supreme, uh, Supreme Court justice, Kavanaugh could be a decisive vote on Roe versus Wade. Um, you are staunchly anti-abortion. You've supported many pieces of legislation to support that view. Um, but you also respect precedent, legal right. precedent. So where do you stand? Do you hope Kavanaugh does overturn Roe v. Wade?
2: Well, here's what I hope he'll do. If there's a case before him that challenges Roe v. Wade, that he would listen to both sides of the story, apply a test to overturn precedent. Precedent is important, but it's not inviolate. I'm dying to see if he believes that Citizens versus United can be overturned. Uh, the bottom line here is there's a process uh, to overturn a precedent, and I think he understands that process. He will apply it, and if it are up to me, states would make these decisions. Uh, not the Supreme Court, but it is a long-held president of the court, it will be challenged over time, and I hope he will give it a fair hearing, and I know he will.
0: I'm glad we got that in because if Senator McCain heard you just talking about him the whole time, he would say, come on, guys, yeah. let's talk about the news That's of the day. I like. let me, That's all like.
2: I can finally do something I want to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> something that I know you don't want to do. You're both leaving here to go to Annapolis to bury yeah. your friend John McCain. Yeah. Just talk about the moment that you will have a private moment it it will not be open for cameras
7: well it's going to be hard because it's the it's the last farewell and uh, you know I must say religiously I always feel that when you bury somebody their body is there but their soul is gone uh, to the next world and I feel that way about John but I'm I'm also left with incredible memories the trips that three of us had the Mm -hmm. things we learned together the great times we had, the way in which I I believe we represented America, the uh, times we spent with the uh, men and women of the American Armed Services. uh, This this was a treasure. And uh, to have the friendship of John McCain and Lindsey Graham, as I was blessed to have had and continue, um, you know, it's just so I, I say goodbye and my heart will be heavy. I'll shed a tear. And yet, I'll thank God that that I knew uh, a man like John McCain so well. Well,
2: I'm going to try to focus on the fact that I'm going to admit to what I've lost. I cannot think of anything I've done in politics of consequence. Any cause I've engaged in that John was not there, that I was not his wingman. As to Joe, you described your friend, my friend, so eloquently. Uh, It was the greatest tribute because you described the man I know that you and I both love. But I also want America to understand there's a lesson from this week. It's not about who came and who mm-hmm. said what at the funeral. Military service is appreciated. Everybody loved the fact that John was willing to die for his country. If you're thinking about public service, here's the formula, work hard, know what you're talking about, and people will listen to you. Pick a cause worthy of a good fight. Mm-hmm. Fight hard and be willing to forgive and ask for forgiveness. And above all else, when you make a statement, mistake, admit it. Repeat, repeat till you die. The next thing you know, the nation will hold you up.
0: Very well said, both of you. The two amigos, (laughs) Joe Lieberman, Lindsey Graham. Senators, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, And I'm sorry for your loss. And up next, the meteoric rise of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg's inspiring life is profiled in a new CNN film called *RBG*. Here's a preview.
6: I am proud to nominate
1: this pathbreaking attorney, advocate, and judge to be the 107th justice to the
4: United States Supreme Court. It may be in trying times, but think how it was. In those days, the judges didn't
7: think sex discrimination existed. Ruth knew what she was doing in laying the foundation. To
3: put women
7: on the same plane as men.
3: The goal was equality and civil rights. Ruth Bader Ginsburg quite literally changed the way the world is for American women.
4: What has become of me could happen only
3: in America. Forget the bull in the china shop. She's become such a rock star. She is really the closest thing to a superhero, I
2: know.
5: She is
2: known to fans the world over as the notorious RBG. All
4: I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our...